0: Welcome, friends, to this episode of the Superhero Ethics. You might have heard about a little bit of labor trouble happening in Hollywood these days. You might have heard about Scarlett Johansson and Disney getting into a little bit of a tiff. You might have heard that we might have a strike, and it might affect some of the content that we love to see. And it raises a lot of interesting questions for us as fans of where do we stand on all this? I'm being joined today by a couple of great podcast hosts, all of whom have some contacts with the industry, and we're going to get some great conversation right after this break. Welcome back, folks. I'm Matthew, your host. Joining me today are two of the hosts, I guess really the founders of the Next Real family of podcasts uh, on which my Marvel Movie Minute podcast has been uh, going. I've been doing that in partnership with Andy Nelson, one of the people joining us. Uh, Both of them also have been working in and around Hollywood for a while, been connected to a lot of this stuff, uh, and we're going to get into a great conversation about what's been going on. So uh, let me introduce both of you.
1: Andy Nelson, first, how are you doing today? Why, hello there. Nice to be over here on this side of the, uh, the podcasting land to chat yeah. with you uh, over here.
0: For once, with many of my many coughs and breaks, Andy won't have to edit them. So this is, <laughs> this is probably easier. Than him. And Andy, what's kind of your connection to this issue? And tell, tell folks a little bit about your background and, and, and where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I went to film school, worked in the film industry for, uh, you know, 20 plus years um, working as an editor and uh, producer writer, I, kind of the whole gamut director, um, I uh, worked on a lot of lower-budget projects, so we weren't involved, a- and, I, and I live in a and work in a right-to-work state where, I mean, there are unions here, but um, certainly it's, you know, for a lot of the projects that we were working on, it, it generally wasn't an issue. Still, I mean, there were still projects that I, I would work on with the unions. Usually it was SAG, because you were bringing in SAG actors to work on a project, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I had plenty of conversations with uh, union members, and uh, just talking about union—you um, know, just kind of all the deals of working with the union. And oftentimes, part of my negotiation with with people was to, you know, make sure that we had fair deals that were comparable along the lines of what was something that they would get with the union, but wasn't necessarily like officially a union project. And mm-hmm. so. There was a lot of that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, a lot of that negotiating and, and trying to figure out what's fair, what's, uh, what's going to work with people.
0: Great. That makes sense. But, right, Annie, thank you so much for being here and a part of it. Uh, and, Pete, what about yourself?
2: Uh well I you know my background was all in broadcasting and so my relationship with union workers of course IBEW the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers uh and SAG-AFTRA for, for broadcast talent um National Association of Broadcast Employees and Te- Technicians uh is is uh, another union uh, representation that we would sometimes deal with but um and, and so you know, I, I know that protection of those rights is so Im- important, and and mm-hmm. um, and and so you know that was my background. Of course, I am not part of a podcasting union at this point, and so uh-huh. uh, <laughs> uh, so we don't have any any direct uh, connection to it uh, right now. But but I do have uh, background from the broadcasting industry, so excited. To I talk have about a
0: history it. of comu- of union organizing. That was my first career, so you uh, know sure. I can help get that started. Okay, so, hey, I think I think as the people who run Next Reel, I might be picketing you. Right, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure <laughs> all that out. Wait a minute. <laughs> You know what? Let's table that for maybe never. <laughs> All right. Uh, and, and also joining us is Mandy Fabian. Uh, Mandy, I'm so glad you could join as well. You and I have not worked together, but I've I've heard you on the the Next a podcast as well. And I know that uh, this is an issue that you also have a lot of connection to. So can you just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your background and your connection to the kind of um, what's happening in the Hollywood,
3: Hollywood right now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I have been a SAG-AFTRA member for many, many years and about... I guess five years ago, I became a member of the Writers Guild of America. But I also, so, you know, a couple of performing unions. But then I also have um, beca- been producing for a few years. So I also have had a taste of what it's like to work with the unions from the other side. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's my, and then I I am a director and so I've been on sets with crews, and like that's that's what I've been doing for the last ten years, working with crews who I've seen awesome. uh, endure these conditions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm so glad to hear. And and just uh,
0: for any of our fans who are of a particularly geeky nature, as most of the superhero ethics crowd contend to be, I believe they might recognize your voice probably from a lot of places, but from the Resident <laughs> Evil video game. Am I correct? <laughs>
3: Ben Helsing. <laughs> ben, ben Helsing. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not one of the video game people, but <laughs> yeah. But um, I am re- I am evil. I mean, I am Resident Evil, like in and of okay. myself. But I but I don't think I, I I've made the game just yet. Okay. Uh, but my husband's the voice of Superman in something. Oh, yeah. In That's something. pretty great. In something, <laughs> I, in well, one of the Superman dude, things.
2: When's the last time you've seen him? It's been a while, right? <laughs>
3: I think I'm still married. I mean, I haven't, I I check my mailbox daily and there haven't been any papers, so. Yeah.
0: You, you know, I, I have a pastoral background, but that's a whole other kind of union negotiations that we're not getting into today. But uh, just rough a fan, so what, what was the voice uh, you, you did in uh, Van Helsing? Oh my
3: God. It's so embarrassing that I don't even remember what the name was. I swear to God. It was Kate um, Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale's voice? Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it was
2: yeah, her wasn't voice, she was one of the, she was one of the three like demon brides or something like that, wasn't she? That's been a long I think time.
3: Think so. I just know I had to do the Transylvanian <laughs> accent and it <laughs> was
0: very <laughs> Proving that I am a very good uh, researcher, and I did all my research. Characters. Thank name you, research Anna.
3: department. <laughs> yep, I was Anna. Totally, I remember the bond I felt with Anna. We were like, we were like this. That's me on top. And I think
0: Kate, I think Kate Beckinsale is in the Resident Evil movies or games, so I have some justification of the confusion. Honestly. That would be yes. anyway.
3: Look, underworld. give me another underworld. credit. Underworld. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. we go.
0: All I was right, also
3: well. in Titanic. Um, I played Kate Winslet. So, keep well, he giving me credits that I don't deserve. I love it. That's important. That's important.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, now I love the idea of a Titanic video game. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> Quick, get the gem. I like it. I like it. Sorry. Well, if nothing,
0: yeah, anyway, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. We'll do that at the end. Um, let me kind of just start the conversation here because I think one of the reasons why I most wanted to do this podcast is, you know, here we talk a lot about the ethical questions that are raised by the media we love in terms of, you know, Team Cap or Team Tony and stuff like that but we also sometimes get into the ethics of fandom and what does it mean to be a fan and how do you make decisions about things? And I think these issues are very relevant to that. And so I wanted to start on a kind of general level. There's so much content out there already. And and obviously we all have the things that we enjoy, but in terms of deciding what you're gonna watch and what you're gonna support, I'm curious from each of you, like how you know when you hear about either union stuff or a particular producer, director, or actor being terrible, like or saying things that a lot of people are against. How how do you all make decisions in terms of that kind of stuff, if at all, in terms of what you watch, what you watch with your family, what you want to support or not support, any of that?
1: Oh, wow. That's always a tough question because you know, I I still like to eat at Chick Fil A and I don't support them. I, you know, it's, it's one of these difficult things. It's like, where's, where's that line? Um, It's, Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to say, well, I'm not going to watch anything that the particular company puts out because I'm unhappy with the way that those particular people are treated. I mean, there are, there are, I guess, I guess when it feels very egregious, you know, um, you know, I, 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 certainly, you know, have stopped shopping at certain places because of, of things that happen but largely I think it's it's one of those things where I guess from my perspective it's more me saying I'm okay if if things that I want to watch are delayed you know mm-hmm. I'm fine with that I, I I'm okay with things having to kind of shut down for a little bit so people can figure out something that's fair for everybody that's involved um, so you know if if it means I have to wait another month or six months or a couple of years, that's fine.
0: It, it's not like there's not a backlog of content that we haven't gotten to yet, you know, that, yeah. so I can understand that. Uh, what about from uh, anyone else?
3: Um, it, you know, it, it's tricky because I know that there's a lot of like Apple, for example, as a company that has made a lot of ethically questionable <laughs> decisions. And yet I am zooming from my iPhone. So mm-hmm. uh, I think you always make certain compromises. Along the way, I, I, you know, I loved Woody Allen movies and I, but I no longer tried, you know, I would not pay for a Woody Allen movie right now. Like it's, I mean, so there, but I I do think it has to, I think it has to inform your life, you know, in, in some way you have to stay true to your ethical center, mm-hmm. but also um, when it comes to the, the conversation about IATSE and and crew, specifically crew, because it is a middle class industry. I think it's a little, and it is for actors as well and writers. It's not, everybody doesn't make the big bucks that you think. Like, right. you, you know, it, you only see the big celebrities and all the billions of dollars and stuff, but you don't for in terms of a middle class living wage and as hard as these people work and and as hard as they work just because there's been a culture I'm just saying I I think that that for me people being treated ethically and humanely is always mm-hmm. going to trump because there's also there's so much content the fact is I yeah. think we have to sort of start a movement where you go like look there's plenty of stuff for me to watch that has been done within a you mm-hmm. know Right. Although in entertainment, I don't, there's there's a certain culture. I don't know that there is that much that's really giving people a living wage right yeah. now. It's interesting.
1: Well, living wage and also just a living. I mean, they, the, the hours they work, it really doesn't allow, like when you're working on a film, I mean, you're working 12 to 14 to yeah. longer hour days. It's not like right. you can go to work and then you can go out with your friends after work. Like no. it's, it's a living wage, but it's also allowing people to actually just live. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and I appreciate, and we're definitely going to get into this stuff specifically about the union, but I really appreciate the points you're, you're bringing up, both about the, the kind of the specifics and, and just the general, because like what you were saying, uh, Mandy, about remembering that this is mostly like middle class, working class people we're talking about here. You know, um, another part of this discussion is the recent uh, lawsuit between Scarlett Johansson and Disney. And frankly, making sure that Scarlett Johansson gets $25 million instead of $20 million is not what gets me singing power in the union, I, I but agree. knowing that her decision is going to affect everybody else like that's when it becomes important and, right
2: and and in fact it, that's momentum in large part for exactly what we've seen to happen with right. uh, that that adds fuel to the fire to the iotsi you know situation right now yeah. uh it, it, it we need those kinds of stories to help propel right. the discussion
0: yeah i mean like i when i work in the labor union um uh as, as union organizers particularly with AFSCME uh the union of uh federal state and uh, municipal workers I was there during one of the baseball strikes and we were all kind of joking like, yeah, making sure that Carlos Beltran gets eight million dollars instead of six is not what fires us up. But it is we're seeing the power of unions. We're seeing the power of a union to bring something to a halt. Um, and, and also just to kind of talk on like the, the more the more general side of it, I appreciate sure what you guys both broke up eh. – what you both brought up about things like Chick-fil-A and uh, Woody Allen. I, I grew up in New York City as the child of a Jewish father and a Jewish family. Woody Allen is a lot of my childhood. Mm-hmm. The movie Radio Days is quite literally my father's childhood. He grew up five blocks from there. And Sleeper is still probably the funniest movie I've ever seen. I don't want to ever give money to Woody Allen again. But I can't shame. Like, I, it, it doesn't make those movies stop being powerful memories for me. Yeah. You know, I have a... I have a Harry Potter tattoo because that was a huge part of my childhood and my my young adulthood. I don't ever want to give more money to J.K. Rowling. Um, and, you know, and like with something like Chick-fil-A, I think you and I would probably disagree with that. That's when I've stopped s- supporting it all. But I think we all have to make this kind of – to me, that's kind of part of why this discussion is important because, mm-hmm. you know, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. We all know that. You know, how many of us had to use Amazon a lot more than we would like to because of the pandemic? Certainly for right, myself as right. a disabled person. And I think that's why – like, I don't think we're going to come out of here telling fans, like, watch this, don't watch that. But just talk about the way we're wrestling with these questions. Because I think we all have to figure that out between what's the issue we care most about and what's our practical realities and, and how does it
3: all fit together? Well, well I'm I, 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 oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: I just wanted to add I this this gets to something that I wrestle with a lot, which is that how good it feels to say like I don't want to I, I don't want to, you know, uh, watch any Kevin Spacey movies, right? Well, that's that's not really reasonable. And what I've sort of come to is that, uh, you know, even though I find his behavior distasteful, me boycotting Kevin Spacey movies is actually sort of implicitly harmful to the hundreds of other people that also worked on that. On those right. films, right? The same thing with Woody Allen. I find his behavior distasteful, but hundreds, thousands of people have worked collectively on the films of Woody Allen. And, and you know, at, at what point does, you know, future boycotts actually, because of one personality and one set of behaviors, actually, uh, you know, influence uh, yeah. the livelihoods of many others?
1: Well, and you I mean, saw I'm... that from the people, the other people involved in Harry Potter, all the actors who came right. out Saying you know, a lot of us don't feel that way. Exactly, uh, Harry know? Potter's and, a great and same example. Same thing. I remember when uh, Ender's Game, the film came out, and the actors all had to kind of talk about all those people who also worked on this who weren't the uh, the author who mm-hmm, had right. a lot of <laughs> a lot of things to say uh, that a lot of people disagreed with at that particular point in time. So, I mean, it's it's an issue, and it's it's perpetually going to be. A challenge in that sort of cancel culture, especially when people stop, essentially cancel culture. I mean, I, I don't have an issue with saying, you know, I have issues with that person. I'm going to stop seeing their films or things like that. But also I feel like there, you know, at some point we also need to kind of remember there's this whole idea of forgiveness. And is there a point when some, somebody can't actually, you know, apologize no, for and sure. be forgiven? Yeah.
3: Um, I mean, that, I think that's the thing. There's just not There's no no one is perfect. And 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 uh, and so in some cases, someone's flaws coming out in the open inspires a discussion that that is needed. Right. Like Woody Allen is not the only pedophile or predator that's been in the industry. But the fact that there is an openness about it and people are now talking about it and raising awareness as to how. You know, really looking back and going, oh, wow, yeah, we were all led to believe that Mia Farrow was just crazy. And how does that parallel things that are happening today? The discussion of it is actually a weird gift to us as a society. So you're right. Like, do I want Woody Allen to go on to win awards and never, ever have consequences for his actions? No. But does me not watching Manhattan, which, by the way, it's right there in that movie that he likes young girls. I mean, it's right right, there. But, you know, does that really do anything? Because to your point, there's a lot of other people that yeah. were part of his work.
0: Yeah. And I think that those are the discussions that are necessary. You know, I like uh, one of the other podcasts I run is Star Wars. And so we were doing episode by episode reviews of The Mandalorian when when it was coming out. And we're going to do it again with the next season. And when all the stuff came out about uh, uh, Cara Dune, about being um, so, you know, her transphobic comments and the anti-vax comments, you know, it was a hard discussion and I certainly was, you know, I was happy to sign on to petitions to Disney saying, please don't cast her again. This is not someone who I want to be supporting, but you know, a couple of people wrote in and said, well, you should stop, um, you know, you should stop recording content about this show. And well, she wasn't even one of the stars, you know, she was a co-star. But even if she had been like the show's already been made. And I, I think that there's such a, there's such, there's so much complexity there. And especially I like the point about the, like I, I tend to be a lot more on the side of not really seeing cancel culture as a problem, but I do think that that idea of the first offense versus the like conversation, you know, the conversation instead of just canceling someone. Uh, and I know I was very part of the J.K. Rowling, um, Harry Potter world when all that stuff was coming out. And I remember the first year or so, there was a lot of conversation about like, look, think about all the things that that we learned from her books about openness and understanding and things like that i'm sure as she understands this issue she'll change you know and it was only once she continued to double down and double down that then there was the like you know forget it and but even in that community like i've seen such a great like we're not gonna let go of the books we're not gonna let go of the love of the movies we might not see the new stuff but you know and it's and if you do see the new stuff well that's that's also
1: an understandable choice and it's also understandable because they're just not as good just saying well that's that's also true (laughs) Shots also, true quality is king. <laughs> but you know uh, what? We're
3: I was Americans.
0: Th- we, d- we don't want wizards in our own country. We want them all to be British and have stuffy <laughs> accents, wear
2: uniforms, where, where you belong, wizards. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I think this gets to this. makes for a nice transition to the IOTZ discussion, though, because yeah. I you know you hear talk about how to best support. Uh, if, if you are a supporter of labor, how do you best support labor in their times of struggle? And does right. that equate to choosing content in in our current state that doesn't support those represented by, you know, the big media machine, right? And we're going to stop watching Disney and Marvel movies right now uh, because this is going on. And I, I'm hearing more and more of those kinds of just completely hyperbolic statements that I think— don't really get at the heart of yeah. what labor negotiations are all about. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, well if I can just ask, um, because I think a lot of our listeners probably have seen the headlines but don't know the main story. I'm guessing a lot of folks don't even know the the kind of terms we're throwing around. Can one of you give just kind of a quick summary of what what's what's the actual thing
3: that's happening, and then we'll talk about what it all means. Well, I I do want to I want to point out one thing though about fans. Uh, oh, go for it. In entertainment. Is the power that they actually do hold that is really Mm -hmm. not to be understated in the same way that a voter holds power in the political arena where you may think you don't have much power and then one vote your vote can change everything and participation is everything and fans drive the entertainment business. Yep. The you see stuff getting repeated and reproduced and done over and over, not because everybody's like, oh, my God, this is my most favorite thing in the world, but because the fan base is there and loud and active. So it's a huge voice in this. And that is something that fans should know <laughs> is yeah. that if they were to speak out or just be, you know, they, they don't have to try to control things, but to ha- lend their voice to it is a huge thing. So it's good that we are discussing what's going on with (laughs) IATSE. And I think
0: that's such a good point, especially because that's something, and this is a different part of the ethics of fandom, but that can be used in both very positive and kind of negative ways. You know, I think the outcry about Cara Dune was probably a big part of why, uh, I'm saying that's the name of the character, not the actress. Gina Uh, Gina Carano Carano is the actress. Um, But also, I mean, the outcry of a lot of, off, you know, kind of awful comments probably had some effects on the sequel movies, especially in terms of the the role of Rose Tyler being like – rose tico being completely you know pushed down and things like that um so yeah i think that's it's a, that's a very good point That fans have to remember their power and also think about like you know how do we use it uh supporting labor may be the thing we do driving people out because we only want white men as superheroes maybe not so much <sighs> um but yeah you know, or, or the bullying campaigns we've you know i've i i have my own issues with a lot of creators sometimes i see the fandom getting to this very toxic bullying culture that's i think very different but that's another episode. Now let's get back to the union stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a, I mean it is a tricky uh, a, a tricky line to walk because like when a union is upset does does that mean as fans we should stop going to see things to support to show our support or does it mean we should keep going to see these things to show that we support the work they're doing? And right. so it's tricky. Uh, in this particular case, uh, I mean, IATSE is really struggling with the fact that the studios keep pushing for long. So, just,
0: what hours. is IATSE? What does that stand for?
1: It's the uh, the IATSE is the uh, I had it here and now the IATSE is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. Got so it. they represent the bulk of all the people in Hollywood that are working yeah. from from costume designers to uh, to grip and electric to you know uh, makeup S- and.
3: Yeah. Cinematographers, script supervisors, yeah. unit production yep. managers, I mean, everyone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you ever wondered why the credits go on for seven minutes after <laughs> you've seen the actors, these are the main people we're talking about, right? Exactly. exactly. Yes.
3: Yeah. The, the people who actually make, besides everybody who's not a director, writer, producer, or actor, um... There, it's everybody else.
1: <laughs> it's largely okay. like the below the line. You'll like yeah, you'll hear discussion the above the line, below the line. These are the people who mm-hmm. don't necessarily have those really fancy contracts uh, with all the production points and all that stuff that they get on the back end. This is all the people who are below the line who are just you know working the number of hours, and uh, and that's really the issue is the the number of hours. Right. Generally, productions push for longer, longer hours, like you know, twelve-hour days. Uh, you know, sometimes it's pushing for some of the crew to fourteen and plus-hour days. They want to make sure that they have turnaround, uh, which they want at least a ten-hour turnaround. Which means from the time you leave the set to the time you're back, you need at least a ten-hour break, and just just to make sure you're getting enough sleep and that you actually have time right. to kind of close down for a bit. They also want to stop these long weeks, like these productions. In addition to like longer days, they're also pushing for longer shoot weeks. Like instead of just a five day shoot, they're pushing for six, seven, eight, sometimes even up to nine day uh, shooting schedule, which is kind of uh, a, a standard that a lot of these hour long TV shows are pushing for. And that's, I mean, nine workdays straight, working twelve plus hours. I mean, that's really long and exhausting. And so mm-hmm. they're pushing for you know turnaround every night, and then on weekends, uh, I think fifty four hour turnaround from the time they leave Friday to the time they come back Monday. Um, Which so, I think is
2: really important that you bring ahead. all of that detail up, Andy, because I think a lot of the press is covering this, like, um, you know, a, a lot of the, the sort of pro-industry press is covering this, is that that these, these workers want uh, longer meal breaks and bathroom breaks. And it's really right. much more complex than that. Like, it, it is yeah. much more health and safety related, and not to mention living wages for the time that they are on the job.
1: Yeah, because some of the lower paid people, I mean, they they don't get that much. And then when they're working these hours, I mean, it just it's it's ridiculous how much they're expected to do. And they just aren't getting paid something that that compensates for them for the huge amount of their life that they're they're putting into these projects.
0: And so I understand that part of what's going on is not just like how it's in the how it's handled in the whole industry, but that the streaming services are starting to create a lot of their own content, like Netflix and Apple Plus and Amazon. That there's kind of like they're they're kind of not quite fitting into what was happening before, and so it's causing a lot of problems. Can you talk more about that aspect of it?
3: Well, it that's been true for e, every single union for SAG-AFTRA and for WGA, and actually I'm not sure about DGA, but I can only assume it's the same. Which is that right. they, when they were coming out um, as producing their own content, not just distributing DVDs and existing things, they uh, had a deal. With the unions that was like, hey, uh, we're just Netflix. Like, we don't know if anybody's going to watch this. We don't know if it's going to make any money. Like, you can't hold us to the same standards as ABC, CBS, NBC, because we're just basically online content. Right. At the time, Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, that was a new thing. And so people were like, gosh, will anybody watch something on their computer or phone? (laughs) <laughs> and that's when they started the groundwork. And now, of course, everyone watches everything on their computer, phone. Streaming is equally right. as 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 prevalent as network television, if not more so. But their standards of pay and what they are beholden to in terms of um, pension and health is much mm-hmm. much lower. So they basically they get to pay Shonda Rhimes and. Um, uh, I can't think of one other person that has an overall deal. But, like, they Probably, pay... like, Mike,
1: Mike Flanagan, yeah. um, he, you know, who does all the horror projects with Netflix right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 ha- I can see why that's so upsetting, because I have to say, at one point, I was seriously thinking about trying to open a board game store, and I went to some business classes and did a lot of research, and there was so much discussion about the risk of starting something new. I don't remember anyone saying, oh, since it's so risky, you can ignore the minimum wage, you can ignore worker safety, like... <laughs> I was trying to start a new business, but I had to follow all the rules. And so, it, yeah, it's ridiculous. It would seem that the that these creators can say, "Oh, but like we're not established, so we don't have to play by the union rules."
3: Yeah, it was part of their negotiation tactic, which is very forceful. I mean, to be honest, when they said that IATSE was going to strike, and they haven't struck in oh, my God, Was it since, like, the 30s? It's, like, 107,
2: or, or, yeah, it's, like, 70-some-odd right. years. Yeah. A very long time, yeah. yeah. I was, like... It was Bloody mm-hmm. Friday, right? That was the yeah. Bloody yeah. Friday yeah. story, yeah. right? I,
3: I could I not mean, believe that there has not been a strike since then because I can't believe that the AMPTP has been so successful with their negotiating tactics that, that they've bent this whole time to what they have. I
0: mean, listen, I saw The Godfather, where they always talked about, like, using Hollywood unions as power to get, yeah. you know, The Godfather's son more movie deals, so... Who knows? But <laughs> joking, joking. There's not connections there. But yeah, I mean, the last Hollywood strike that, at least as an outsider that I know, the only Hollywood strike that I can remember, at least in my lifetime, was the screenwriters' strike from like 15 years ago.
1: Yeah, there have been yeah. There was there was that one in uh, around well, it was around what 08? Is that when it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember um, Doctor
3: Hollywood? The WGA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Before that, there was a commercial strike, SAG-AFTRA, I think, in two thousand mm-hmm. or something. But yeah.
2: Well, there was, and and you know, I mean, this was when reality TV came around. It was in the late nineties, right? There was that's when Survivor came out because they we had no writers anymore. So we have you know right. Real World and Survivor and all these. That was the last big kind of run up of, of right. what right. do we do when no one can write uh, yeah. on a set? I, I, uh, I mean, solution. I think
3: I think the reason it's happening now is because you know for the longest time. There were limited opportunities in entertainment, right, because there were just fewer outlets. And now there's more people are making content at a breakneck speed and they and they're trying to do it because they're making so much of it for as little money as possible where they can. They can't not pay Shonda Rhimes or they can't not pay Scarlett Johansson. So they're trying to pay, you know, Minnie, who works in makeup, the you know, as little as possible. And since we're paying her a day rate anyway, let's get her to work 14 hours instead of 12 or 10. So it's just like any corporation, it's operating in the same way that an Amazon operates where you go like, where can I cut back and make as much money as possible for my shareholders? Right. Yeah, I think that's probably makes a lot of sense, both about the, the expanding content and the more power,
0: but also this is just kind of like a time when worker rights are really something being discussed a lot yeah we just had an abisco strike that i remember because i love a lot of their products and couldn't have them a couple weeks and they they basically won that strike uh kellogg workers are now on strike and so that's affecting a lot of things we're having to see this kind of general unofficial strike of minimum wage workers of just not taking the jobs anymore at restaurants and things like that so yeah it seems like an interesting time
1: well Um, i feel like a lot of this has been spurred on because of the pandemic where mm-hmm. it, it has pushed a lot of people into these places where suddenly these these groups are now saying hey we really need you to do this extra stuff because of all this other stuff that's been going on in the world and we can't pay you as much because you know for because of all that because we haven't been right. selling as much and 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 i think it's really kind of putting a lot of on the workers shoulders and people are i, I Frankly, I think a lot of people are just kind of fed up with it right now. Yeah. Well, right, sure because
2: you're... how long does that grace last? Like when you're trying to bring an industry out of sh- complete shutdown, you might yeah. have a little bit more oomph because you want to work, right? Say, I'm right. I'm an electrician on set. Yeah, I'll come back to work. I'll wear a mask. I'll do tests every day. And eventually, you realize after you know 18, 14 hour days, and you realize you should be getting hazard pay at this point. Uh, yeah. That that your patience is has run out, and and that's right. what transitions are all about is figuring out how do we renegotiate to the point where we can we can all make sense of this and i go back to to um you know scarlett johansson like part of the reason we need a big lawsuit like that is for the studios to actually stop and say hey we get it now maybe businesses as usual no longer accounts for current conditions If no one ever pushes that button, they will continue writing contracts the way they've always written contracts. We need somebody to come in and say, you have to write contracts now that take into account the fact that you're going to release this movie day and date uh, on streaming services. You have to do that. And not just for Scarlett Johansson, but for everybody. And that's been largely the fallout from Disney is now they're rewriting and rethinking the way contracts are written. Mandy, I don't know. Stop me when I start lying because
3: (laughs) when's the last time.
2: I started writing a, a contract from a Star, But isn't that what we need to see and why this button needs to be pushed for IATSE, right? This is where they get to come back and say, wait, I know conditions are weird and hard for everybody. We get it. Of all people, we're working it. But in fact, you need to take that into account starting now starting today.
3: Yes, I think that's true. I I also think that it's a cold-hearted business thing where Scarlett Johansson has leverage and her people can go back and make this public and nasty and they need Scarlett Johansson to do the other movies and they need her as an asset. So it's in their best interest to settle, whereas they feel like crew is replaceable. And like you have to remember this. like After we did an independent movie um, in April and people were eager to work but we paid them a good day rate that was appropriate for our budget and we and we never worked more than 12 hours that would never happen on our set like and right, we fed yeah. them well and like you know and everybody their dignity was intact so they actually worked for less money because they loved the project and it's an artistic realm well yeah, but what sure. we're discussing is Apple TV not paying for people to eat like expecting them to pack their own lunch and come on set and not like it's it they do insane things to cut corners and they're apple so that's the difference like it's one thing if you have a a low budget and you're paying people what you're paying and they want to do it we're all good we're talking about corporations that are making so much money and they're asking you to pack your own lunch it's it's preposterous
1: it's become and like a whole connection to like this 1% idea. you see these corporate heads with such ridiculous quantities of money like Amazon and, and Apple and 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 Disney and you hear how much money they' they're just taking in yep and and all the people at the bottom are like really because I'm not feeling any of that with any any of the work I'm doing for you and it's and, and, you know it's not like it needs to be like everybody gets paid the same thing but it still needs to be fair. Well, and that's the problem with Apple
2: is they they are—I I feel like their approach to this is disingenuous next to the market because they yeah. are trying to negotiate at a lower rate, and they're selling that argument by saying we have fewer subscriptions than—subscribers on our service than anybody else. But they're making— like hollywood caliber shows in foundation and the morning show and their content literally oscar-winning shows now it emmy-winning shows shows. it doesn't matter how many subscribers you have apple it matters that the work was done pay the rate and and that i think is the is the issue
0: and i really appreciate the way you set the context there because i think for someone like myself or other people who don't really know these details when i hear scarlett johansson is going to make even more money my first thought is, oh, but does that mean that Mimi in the makeup department is going to make less? And so kind of seeing that actually, no, it's not. Hollywood may try to put one against the other. I'm sure there's going to be stuff coming out about like, well, we would pay you more, but Greedy Scarlet is trying to take away. Hearing that from that perspective, they don't see it that way, that it is all one big together fight, I think really helps to to understand how all this is coming together. So let, let me kind of shift a bit to what does this mean? If the union does go on strike, uh what is that going to mean for content being produced? Because one of the things that I think I'm, I'm already starting to see is the scare tactics. Like I, I sent all of you an article that was in, in one of the kind of clickbait entertainment websites that was star Wars fans freak out. We might not get the Mandalorian show for another year. If the union goes on strike. Uh And it was very clearly like some studio executive helped get that piece written. I'm sure. Um What, what does that? What will it actually mean if the union goes on strike?
3: Well, well yeah, I mean, yeah, so I can't imagine that the strike will last very long, because mm-hmm. I think this is just a, you know, the positioning on this is from their from their angle, they're like, you know, if we don't if we don't green light and make these shows, like we're the ones taking all the financial risk. We put up all the money. We, you know, are the ones releasing the show, and if nobody watches it, we lose our shirt. And so, so. They don't. That's why they're like, we have to pay you as little as possible because otherwise we'll lose our shirt. Whereas the other people are like, right. yes, and if we don't show up to work, you don't make your shows because, you know, because they can't. You can't do it without a crew. Right. Um So I think I don't think the the strike will last long because ultimately, in order to make any money, they have to make content. And especially something like Star Wars would give would give the union leverage. Because if you can't make Star Wars, then that's really a big winner for them and they need it. Um, right. So I, I... And that was that's a funny
0: one too, especially because the Star Wars fandom does not love Disney to begin with. Yeah. So getting the Star Wars fans to be mad at Disney is not going to be hard for Union Press. Like.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think... I mean, I, I don't... I can't imagine the strike will last very long because mm-hmm. of that. And because... Ultimately it's not sexy and and for someone who wants to see their next season of anything, you know, it's frustrating. But like ultimately this is not they're not asking outrageous things. This isn't Scarlett Johansson's people asking for another several million. This is people looking for even more than pay safe working conditions. They're looking for a an environment where they don't have to skip a meal in order to pay their electricity bill. And where yeah. they can get rest and they can have things like, I don't know, friends and see their kids. And ultimately, and I've been on these sets, right? Like, I've never gone over 12 hours in my life. Yes, 12 hours is pretty standard in our industry. That's how it works. Um, but that's actually a short work day for everybody. though, mm-hmm. like, I should say, standard. That's coming in, setting up, and then wrapping out at 12. So, yeah. and for my money... And I'm not a diva or, you know, I'm not a huge, what do you, tyrant, (laughs) but I don't see why anybody, part of my job description is making a 12-hour day. So when I hear about people going over 14 and 16, what's happening is then you have people who've decided they need that and they're just going to take it. And they're Mm -hmm. not getting even if they get overtime pay, it's still, like, it's not safe. It's not good for their health and well-being. Overall, right. I think it's, like, we've created this scenario where, like, you know, whatever the visionary wants, whatever the network wants, like, we're making art here. You've got to sacrifice for your art. And it's, like, it's gone too far. Right. We're not paying and, people I mean, enough for that.
1: No. And, and I mean, I think IATSE, <laughs> they were pretty clear with their vote, right? I mean, like, Oh yeah. More than more than 96% of uh, voters turned out to vote almost unanimously that they wanted to uh that they agreed we'll strike if we have to. I mean, that's a huge number of people turning out in agreement saying we want this to stop. So yeah, I think that uh the the position is going to be a pretty hard and fast position from their end. So yeah, the 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 decision from the AMPTP is going to have to I mean, they've already agreed to 10-hour turnaround on all productions. So, I mean, they're already working on on, uh, these agreements. And so hopefully we'll be able to get these agreements to happen and things will be safe and we won't have to have a strike. I mean, that's obviously Mm -hmm. always the goal.
2: Well, and, and I think as an aside to all of that, we're talking about film and television production crews, but the pressure... On this agreement is coming from a lot of places that maybe even if you're not a TV and film fan, you will notice because IATSE mm-hmm. represents 150,000 people in the entertainment field. The Kennedy Center agreed; those employees are going to be yeah. go- joining their IATSE represented. Disney is represented, and I think Disney World said that they would not be going, but Disneyland is not. still it uh, yeah. is still up for debate as we record this. So, but but we're talking trade shows, ex- exhibition space as the world comes out of the the pandemic and starts to do more in-person events. This could really impact the the way events are held for a short time while these negotiations are are, are underway. If a strike is uh, happening, I have
0: friends who are in the music business. You know, they, like the touring guitarist for different tours and stuff, and you know, the the people who hang lights on a Hollywood set mm-hmm. and the people who hang lights at a concert hall are it's the same skill set. Yeah, right. even they're talking about how this might affect them. So. Right, yeah. Well, I think that's good to know, because I think, as I said, that article, I'm sure, is not going to be the only one. I think for a lot of fans, the first thought is, does this mean, you know, after a year of losing content because of the pandemic, we're going to go back to months and months of not losing content? It sounds like the, the general consensus is that that's very unlikely to happen here.
3: Well, did anybody really lose content over the pandemic? I mean, I I mean also true. <laughs> I feel like there's a fire hose of content. If anything, I was like, oh, thank God I can catch up a little bit. Um yeah. I mean I think it would be a great opportunity for fans to uh exercise their their voice and see how much muscle they have in terms of you know calling out for the right like supporting Iyatsu in this mm-hmm. because you know mm-hmm. I mean if you really truly love the show it's a little bit like you know maybe sometimes you need to know how the sausage is made right Yeah Like no. it's if, if you love that restaurant tip
0: the waitresses and support yeah. them if they go on strike
3: yeah, yeah Exactly I think that's that would be you know why not get why not uh, get creative with social media campaigns and things and uh reading other people's instagram posts and tweets about it i don't know like like there there must be some other way to get a a fix of your world by supporting your world
1: yeah i mean when the when the wga strike happened in it was 14 weeks in 0708 i mean a lot of what happened was a lot of productions that were close to, like, getting going, like, scrambled to get production started as quickly as they could so that they could be in production and not have to worry before the strike happened. And for those that were still trying to get sorted out, they had to wait it out, uh, get through those 14 weeks. But then you had things like, you know, uh, Quantum of Solace, where Daniel Craig and the director were actually doing the rewrites on the script, which is probably why a lot of people don't like that movie that much. But (laughs) that is that is why, uh, you know, I mean, they were they were coming in to work on the script because of the strike, and so I mean you know things like that will happen now if yeah. if this if uh, if the strike happens. Although I, I I don't know how productions really could keep going. It would be very difficult to if if all these different departments. Well, down. Daniel
2: Craig is very capable, but <laughs> I'm not sure if I want him on you know a yeah. cherry picker <laughs> hanging lights. I'm just not. But I, but that's could his
1: he skillset. do it?
0: <laughs> but but I will say also I mean you know I'm not a Joss Whedon fan given what he's done but like Joss Whedon talking to some of his friends on the picket line during that strike is how we get Dr. Horrible sing-along block yeah, which is right. beloved and yeah. I mean it's, I, again I never want to kind of belittle any of this and I'm very glad the, the writer struck for when they needed to but So some of my favorite TV seasons are all those seasons that had to have a part one and a part two, because now you didn't have plot lines stretching out over 25 episodes, but they made it a lot, um, you know, more condensed. So, well, and let's get into kind of, uh, Mandy, I think you were, you keep raising this great point about what fans can do. Um, What? what are the, th- I want to actually start the conversation with what is the union actually asking for? You know, because I think that when I was a union organizer, we were always kind of trying to be careful, like, don't don't go off and do things that we're not recommending. You know, we had one worker where they um, were telling their kids to harass the kids of the boss at the school oh. that they all went to. It's like, don't, yeah, that's horrible. Don't do not do that. Um, and like, you know, even like with, on the political side, as political organizers, you know, people in Georgia are being the ones saying like, hey, don't boycott our state. Please don't do that. You know, even though these terrible laws are being passed. What is is the union actually putting out anything of, like, hey, fans, here's how you can support us, that we do want you to boycott shows or we don't want you to boycott shows or anything like that?
3: Well, IATSE has a website that has a lot of information on it. And then there's also – I've just been checking out, like, on Twitter, there's a lot of – there's IATSE stories. I forget what the hashtag is, and I apologize for that. But there's – I'll have to look that up. It's (laughs) IA solidarity. Yes. I,
2: hashtag IA Solidarity and mm-hmm. hashtag IA Reasonable Rest.
3: Great.
0: Great. Yeah. And there we'll have both of those in for... the show notes for this yeah. for this podcast. I'm sorry, Mandy, I cut you off, though.
3: Oh, no. Um. And and there's been, like, there's a petition going. I tweeted a, a petition that got retweeted by people. Like, there there's a petition you can sign. I think it would be very interesting if just fans signed those petitions and it wasn't just people in the mm-hmm. industry because it would show that this is bigger than just a few disgruntled you know, it's not yeah. just the people in the union. It's there's widespread support. So s- signing a petition is great. I think, I think those social media support and and having this be a topic of conversation and that's active among not just industry people. Like like as that's how Scarlett Johansson won the Disney fight, right? Like they just kept bringing it to the press and bringing it to the press and changing the mm-hmm. the optics on what Disney was doing. I mean the Zack Snyder the Zack Snyder Justice League cut, which many of us may think
0: should not have been released, but it was released one thousand percent because of fan pressure. Yeah. you know that was a major studio decision because of fans. So yeah. and I think it's important here that that the union, at least as I understand so far, is not asking. They're not saying, "Hey, if we go on strike, stop watching all this stuff, cancel all your subscriptions." Is is that correct, or is that something that that you think we might see if the, the strike happens?
1: I I haven't. Because you heard said there's a lot say- of back
0: and forth about. The support. Sorry. Yeah,
1: I haven't heard them say anything to that uh, extent. Like, you know, let's let's stop watching all of these different networks. I haven't. Um, I haven't heard any of that. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I again, I struggle with that. Uh, you know, if that would end up being effective or not. Um, right. So, I don't know. I That would be a curious way to go if everybody just stopped watching. I, I kind of feel like I agree with Megan or with Mandy that. The the best thing that we could do is just you know, you know, show our solidarity. Sign yeah. anything you can that comes pa- comes your way, that um, is is a a form of support to show that you also uh, put your voice to this.
3: Yeah, I mean, if there was like an or- organized massive boycott of like everybody canceling their Netflix and Hulu subscriptions or something like that, that might be successful. But just not watching things while. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I guess there will be a, a large uh, explosion of reality television programming and stuff if this if this happens. Oh, I guess, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what happened but, with but the how writer's do you strike. Even, and...
2: How do you even do that, Mandy? I think that's where it's different than the writer's strike because when the writers went on strike, reality television could come up. You know why? Because IATSE was there to actually right. make productions. Well, when yeah. when these people can't like when you can't run cameras, how do you make shows? Well,
3: I, I mean, I,
2: go
1: well, ahead. I, I think they're 30s. largely non-union goes, crews, aren't they? Yeah, that's what it, well, yeah, I mean, all the stuff that I used to do, I mean, it was yeah. it was non-union. I non-union, worked in yeah. a right-to-work state. And so, yeah, the, the people here, I mean, they may want, you may, might hear a lot about, like, you know, I'm not going to work more than this number of hours a day, those mm-hmm, sorts of things. Right. But, I mean, yeah, any sort of non-union project can absolutely still be going on. I don't know, like, where is the line as far as that falling, as far as, like, people, you know, the, the the striking workers coming out to the sets calling people scabs. Like, I don't know to what extent any of that would actually happen. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, there's there's always that possibility. But, um, I mean, things theoretically still could get made. And well, it, and, and that's there are a lot of US studios. Also. Yeah, yeah. And,
2: and that's, I mean, there are, the, you look at the IATSE uh, m- website, for this resource uh, again matthew put that in the show notes but there are uh, what we're talking about are the biggest of the big right studios right. that are being pressured here and so uh and and it's it's certainly more than apple and netflix i mean columbia right. and mgm and lionsgate and focus and universal and like they're all uh under this pressure so it, you know
3: right yeah
1: well pressure and this, where yeah, it counts and just kind of like as I, I started thinking about that, it's like what could happen is production companies could start saying, well, we're going to go out of the out of the states and we're going right. to go film overseas. I mean, I know a yeah. lot of the lower budget projects that, that I had been working on, they kind of stopped even coming to the U.S. because even the our low wages that we were paying here was too much. And they would go to like South Africa or uh, to the Ukraine, different places where they could pay people even less money. Um, and not have to worry about it. So I mean it's entirely possible that it just it means that a lot of productions move out of the country.
2: Well that's what right. they did with the crows have eyes 3 the crowning right and Moira, <laughs> yep. more Port- shit went to she where had to go did to she Bo- go? Bosnia I think. Yeah,
0: Bosnia? Uh-huh. Well I, like I no I love no shit's
2: Spart- creeks here? Okay, come on. <laughs> oh no I you love know, it. me and Matthew.
0: <laughs> I love the t- I love the TV show Spartacus and I'm not quite sure why now all romans have new zealand accents but you know <laughs> According to that show, all Romans, but it gave us some great actors. So you know, I love the show. But yeah. but yeah, and that's but you, do know, you know,
1: know Romans didn't have New Zealand accents? That's true. We don't no. have any Western. recordings of them. That's true. We don't. We don't. <laughs> oh, your move, so, Romans.
0: <laughs> well, it, and that's exactly why I asked it because I think, like I said, for me. When there's a a, a worker justice issue happening or any kind of justice issue, I always want to take my leadership from the people who are leading that campaign. You know, I yeah. I stopped buying Kellogg cereal because the Kellogg union leaders are saying they're calling for a boycott. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think I think that's a really helpful thing. Is that I, I I when I talk to fans, a lot of them say, "Wait, does this mean I have to stop watching?" You know, I think it's important to know. Like, if the union gets to a point where they think it's helpful, then we can have that discussion. But we're not there yet, and yeah, that there are is. so many like. You know I think the question of like what would a digital picket line look like is an interesting question but that's there's so many other things we can do and that fan support tweet campaigns uh you know uh Twitter campaigns petitions they matter they really do they gave us this, the justice League for Isaac Snyder let's get them to do something else well and it's
2: it's interesting too that <laughs> apologies Venny, you, you worked on that you Well, know, no that. but
1: I will say I liked it so there. Oh, 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 here we go. This, oh, this just boy. went dark. Now, I, you know, amazing
2: how interesting, it, it, what an interesting economy we are in right now with no contracts. Like the the ease of that I have to go to my Disney Plus subscription and just turn it off without any, right. you know, issues or repercussions. No, I don't have to pay out a year. Uh, I can do that to all of my subscription services very easily if and when that yeah. is called for. And I am somebody that does stand for, you know, health and safety issues. So I would do that if called for. I'm not gonna do it yet. I'm I'm right. I think that's that's a sane
0: approach. And I think that's also an area where there's a lot of fan support to be generated because I mean I joke about Star Wars having a lot of issues with with Disney specifically but every day I see people complaining about the price of Netflix going up and that there's some things on Hulu you have to watch with ads no matter how much you pay and you know all the different things people are doing to like if I buy a DVD I can watch it and then hand it to my friend but I can't you know share my Disney password password with someone I mean people do it all the time we all know that but you Is know Is your Disney um,
2: password password because that's no. awesome.
0: You just gave <laughs> away that's amazing. It's password exclamation point. Oh right, now. yeah, you have to. Have, Good, that's right. Mm-hmm. Gotta yeah, have I take it. Take it seriously. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like that's um, you know, and I know that all the the torrent sites are, are incredibly popular with with things like that. Um, and I again don't want to support any of those. I want to make sure that people get the money that they need to. But uh, I I think there's going to be my my hope is that a lot of these studios are going to see that they they have not generated public support to begin with, and that's why the, the getting the fans on board is so helpful. Yep. I, I want to keep going on – we'll kind of do a general wrap-up, but I want to switch a little bit to the, the Scarlett Johansson side of things because I, I want to make sure we all kind of understand what happened there. The, the The issue there, as I understand it, is that a lot of these – a lot of people make contracts where you're getting points, which means part of what you're getting is a percentage of the box office revenue. Yep. Yeah. The pandemic obviously caused all box offices to close for a long time. And there's still a lot of folks who, myself included, aren't comfortable going to box office or aren't comfortable going to theaters because pandemic is still continuing in lots of places, especially overseas. So a lot of these theaters started saying, set up, uh, companies started saying, okay, so we'll re- release the movie online. Mm-hmm. But what that meant was if I decided to pay $19 to watch Black Widow on Disney Plus instead of going to see it in the theater, that... Nineteen dollars I paid, or even just my Disney subscription, was not included in the money that Scarlett Johansson and everyone else down the line would get a percentage of. Right. So, and and that's what they were suing about, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because. I, and this. Yeah. Go on. I was going to say, yeah. and, and people remember, I believe, uh, Patty Jenkins made uh, similar complaints when when Wonder Woman was released. Uh, Wonder Woman '84 was released online, so it's it's not the first time.
1: No, and it's and I, I think you know part of the thing is like um, you know you pay 20 bucks to watch it at home and you can watch it as often as you want also with as many people that you can fill in your living room as you want like it's it's right. just I've, I've paid this money for the premiere access uh, and now i have it until it's actually released officially and then it, no one has to pay for it on disney plus anymore whereas if i go to the movie theater i've got to pay for my ticket my wife's ticket my kids tickets I've got to, right. and then if I go again, I've got to do it all over again. And so uh, there's a lot more money that gets generated um, if you keep going back to the movie theater over and over. And a lot of these movies, I mean, people do go back time and time again. And so that is part of it. So there's a there is a loss of income right. at the theatrical level when people are watching it at Disney Plus. Um, but there's also, yeah, yeah, no, go ahead.
3: There's also a street cred kind of aspect to it, which is like, you know, for the time being anyway, Scarlett Johansson, like, knows how to open a movie, right? Like, she gets certain box office numbers, and if they're not including the, what are essentially box office numbers? If I pay $20 to see that movie on opening weekend... Like that's not her fault that it happened to be on a streaming device for twenty bucks. Right. Like that should be counted towards the she opened at the box office revenue. Right. And that's just I, yeah. Well, especially I, because in this that's connected to a whole other different issue, but Scarlett Johansson getting
0: to be the lead of a superhero movie was not an easy thing to accomplish and people are going to use the amount that money that movies like that or Wonder Woman 84 make in terms of how many female superheroes we get and again that that's my own niche of the entertainment conversation but I think it's like I know when people are trying to decide what they should do about going to see Black Widow or not especially because Scarlett Johansson isn't everyone's favorite actress that was that was a real question of like I don't want to pay to go to the theater but I want a woman's superhero movie to succeed but I don't want to support Scarlett Johansson herself and, and so So much levels of complexity.
1: Well, and, uh, you know, also the other side of this whole thing is for Wonder Woman 1984. I mean, that's another example where I'm paying my HBO subscription. I didn't have to pay any extra to watch that particular movie or Dune or, uh, you know, uh, The Matrix or any of the Matrix coming out or any of these other movies that are going to be playing on HBO. So what percentage then do they get from that? Same right. thing with Netflix. And that's part of the issue with with all of these deals that these people have is, like, these companies are notoriously tight-lipped about how many people are getting or actually sitting down and watching these projects. And, I mean, even they're not going to know how many people actually sat. It's, it's like the whole Nielsen thing. How many people were really in the room watching that at the time? It's it's right. that frustration. And so it's like, well, what do you pay them then? And this is what the the, the corporate companies are saying. Well, it's like we don't know how much it really is, is you know, is getting out of all of the other content that we're putting out. And that's, I mean, they're going to have to figure it out. And that's the thing. And they're going to have to start being more open with this sort of thing because, you know, these these uh, people who are getting paid these back-end points are going to want that information.
0: Well, and I, I really appreciate you framing it like that because I have to say for, for myself as someone who's not in the industry, and I don't in any way want to kind of put down that those levels of concerns – I also look at it through another lens, which is that I don't want to have to go to a theater to watch something, and I'd want people to not have to. And I think that I know that was one of the things that people really were debating about Scarlett Johansson is that if there's a contract signed, people need to get paid what they got contracted for, and they can't be screwed out of it based on this. But at the same time I think one of the fears is that when she and others win the the does that mean the studios are just going to say all right fine we're just putting things back in the studios nothing online and you just have to take the risk if you're worried about covid is there like does does that mean that we just have to kind of stick with the points deals and keep everything just in the theaters or do you think there are ways where we might see more of a shift to releasing things online more But in ways where the people who sign those contracts, assuming a different kind of a world, are not going to get screwed. The the thing
3: that they had were windows, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's the window question because – you're supposed to, traditionally, there's a theatrical release, and then there's the next window, which is online, and then there's the DVD right. window. You know, like, what they're trying to do to, to monetize it as much as possible is, for people who are like, oh, I really want to see that movie, and I don't want to wait four weeks until it's on HBO Max, I'm going to go to the theater, right? But if it's released in HBO Max the same day, then you're not going to go to the theater. You're going to watch it right from home right. for free or nothing or less, right? Right. So I think that's that's the question that, right. you know, should should they still keep that window? But what they are fighting from the other side of it is that there's so much noise, not maybe for something yeah. like Black Widow. I think people, there's such an avid fan base that that would be fine. But for a lot of movies, and maybe even that one, you know, they, they, they have a theatrical release. And then four months later, it's released again on on demand. Ha- has the public, like, did it get good word of mouth? Has the public right. supported, the, you know, is it still in the zeitgeist? Are people now four months later or three months later excited about a totally new project and no one's going to go rent Black Widow for nineteen <laughs> ninety nine or whatever, you know, like. Or, or just do you have any hope of not being spoiled on every
0: detail of it? Do you have to just like lock yourself away from Twitter right. and Facebook and the office water cooler so that you don't know the mystery three months later? Because yeah. it's
3: all going to be out there. Which, again, would drive people to the box office, which I know is not great for COVID, but for the, their business. Like, that model has been successful for everybody. Right. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's kind of a new – but I think maybe they're not even – they're not arguing – it felt sneaky, right? I think they they were like, this is sneaky because you said there was going to be a theatrical release and now there's not, and it cut into everything. And I, that kind of goes back to the IATSE thing where it's like, look – if there were a lot of like really ethical straightforward dealings going on then maybe we wouldn't have so much trouble but the fact is it's right. it's a corporation that's trying to service a bottom line and every little guy they can get they they do so it's well, yeah, they have to be monitored a
2: hundred percent, and and we have to go back to and and I think this has come out since the the settlement. Just how much Disney, you know, people at Disney were saying, you know, we we have to save this for theatrical. We have to save this for theatrical, not just because of Scarlett Johansson, but because the National Association of Theater Owners was all up in their face about it. Like so many stakeholders had issues uh, with this with this opening, and. Yeah. So, you know, I I go back and forth on whether I think that those decisions were made sort of in in some sort of sneaky fashion or just obtuse like they yeah. just weren't ready to even understand the implications of that decision and they were just facing extraordinary both public pressure and frankly marvel pressure because now the thing is so far out of the uh, out right. of the sort of canonical timeline because the way those films are are connected to one another that they just felt like they had to get things going so i i want to i want to give the the you know <laughs> I'm, I'm not a massive supporter of, of corporate interests, I promise, and yet I also know how complex these decisions can be and yeah. how many lawyers and right. and forms are involved. I'm sure there are forms, right? And there are probably a <laughs> lot of PDFs, and those are hard to One navigate, right? And so did <laughs> a DocuSign, see Mandy a shirt, almost docusign? falling out of her chair laughing? <laughs> <laughs> So I you know, I just know that this is this is a sea change and we are witnessing it right now. And I want to at least, you know, caution a modicum of patience for fans to just let's let's just see. And, and honestly, Mandy, to you, like how as a director, how does this change what you advocate for in the films that you're making?
3: Uh, you mean, do you mean like in terms of how we treat crew or how we would no, release No, I mean, I, you
2: know, the release windows and, and, you know, choices, yeah. if you, if given choices, how do you, how, does this change the way you approach your I, films?
3: It, it would be in service of, of fans in terms of distribution. Like, I mean, to me but I do you know I'm not doing Marvel movies at at the moment I mean it's not January yet but um, (laughs) uh, but like so mine would be more like niche audiences right like and then the uh, the audience is king so wherever they're going to watch this movie the best in whatever way that's where you want to distribute it if it's like a hippy dippy movie about camping then you're going to get in an RV and hit every campground and like do it on the boots on the ground kind of In your, you know, face to face distribution Mm -hmm. model or you'll, you know, you find the network that has the like if it's a late night IFC thing, that's where you and really like that's 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 how we would do it is we would just want to get it to the audience like they're the fans really dictate everything because without people there to watch your stuff, what are you doing? You're hollering into a well. Yeah, well, right. Mandy, I do need to warn you, Van Helsing is a Marvel comic
0: book character, so you might come to the MC. They're, they're digging really deep for characters, so.
3: Oh my I, gosh. I, you know,
0: that phone call might come. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think I think you're all really capturing so much of the complexity of this issue, and I, I really like both Mandy and Pete, the way you're framing this, because kind of the way I see it, at least, is, you know, contracts... Don't always account for the change of a situation, you know, and that, like, obviously, corporate, like, the movie corporations expected to be able to keep putting movies out in theaters. That didn't happen, and they all lost their shirts because of it to some extent. But I think, kind of, what you're saying is that, like, if this had been an open conversation from the beginning of going to talent and going to everyone and saying, listen, we may have to release these in a totally different way, can we, with you, renegotiate our contracts in a way that that also accepts that we know we're going to lose the lion's share of money here but can we get you to work with us like i know when i listened to um i I didn't hear scarlett johansson talk about this much but when i listened to um uh the director and, and people from wonder woman that was one thing they said a lot was look if they had just come to us and said you know she was saying like of course i want people to watch this movie i don't want them to get sick i'm okay if we can figure out a way to do it yeah but can you do it in a way that understands how much that's going to hurt me? Yeah. You know how much. Yeah. Uh, granted, I don't think Wonder Woman eighty four was a very good movie anyway. But like, it it looked even worse because of the way it was distributed, and that's not fair to the director, the producer, the actors, to to anyone.
3: Yeah, and also, but I think that's also that would be great. But um, and I I know you're right, Pete. They're not all sneaky. But they also they say might,
2: they might be. I'm not there. No, they but might they're not. Be.
3: You're right. Like there are certain. They were dealt with. They were dealing with a pandemic. They don't. They are the ones taking all the risks, spending all the money. They don't know what people are going to watch or when or how it's going to work out for them. So they're they're trying to deal with an unknown enigma as well. So they have there's there's issues. However, they have been known to do things like. I don't know, guys, like we don't really know how many times people are watching that show or how many people are subscribing because of it or, you know, like they they like we don't know how many people are watching the show. That's impossible. It's software. You have to know how many people are watching your shows. That's that's how could that even be a number that you don't have? That's been. But, you know, so that's that's one of the things that make you go. Are they going to have an honest conversation, though?
0: (laughs) If you're on a CBS show, everyone knows how much that's doing. But
3: yeah, if you're on a Netflix show, they can claim they don't know, which is ludicrous. Which is crazy, because actually, aren't you less likely to know how many people are watching a CBS show? I don't know. Like, you don't know how many sets. Maybe you do. These days, you probably do. But also, like
0: Andy said, like, you don't know if that set has one person in front of it or ten, yeah. you know, because it's a watch party. Yeah, um, right. So I, I want to be different than the studios and respect the people, the time of all of you. And I know we're coming up on our end. Is there another kind of last points, like one thing that you sh- we haven't gotten to talk about or a point or a question you want to raise for any of you? Um, I... I- I guess the
2: only thing I would add, and and this is counter to my my let's understand the big studios position. I know we lost <laughs> a lot over the pandemic, and uh, but but I have yet to see major studio executives, you know, uh, out <laughs> uh, having literally lost their shirts. Right? They posted yeah. large losses, which is a norm in you know large mm-hmm. corporate uh, experience, but they're still there and they're yeah. fine. And no one's saying like
0: I'm taking a cut in CEO pay or Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. Call me when that starts to happen and I'll be a little (laughs) bit more sympathetic. Like we're we're all navigating these waters together and uh and and the fact that Netflix doesn't choose to report numbers does not mean the numbers aren't there. Yeah. 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 Right.
3: It it will be fine. And and in the end, having a more ethical workplace environment will be better will be better for everyone it'll be better for the people that work there and it and I I do believe it will be better for fans as well yeah
1: I think it will yeah it's gonna shift and things will work better for all of us and there are always you know there are always negotiations and that's the thing is like everybody has to there's there's got to be a little bit of give and take and and so are is IATSE are they going to get every single thing that they want You know They're probably going to have to give on a few points, but when it comes to safety, when it comes to hours, uh, those are the elements that they're likely going to uh, get through, and yes, it'll probably mean budgets are going to have to be a little more so that the production companies can compensate for that, but again, these big companies I don't think are hurting for that, and I think if that's what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be, and and in the end, I I don't think that um, it's going to hurt them, and it will just help everybody else who's involved.
0: Yeah. I think it's a very good place to end it. Well, so uh, one day the podcast union will come after me for this, but I, I let me start again. I, I, I thank you all so much for being a part of this, and one day the podcast union is going to come after me. But right now, all I can do is thank you and exposure. Uh, and we all know how <laughs> valuable that is. But more seriously, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. are really interested in hearing more of all what you have to say uh I'm, mandy starting from you uh if people want to learn more about what you're doing or kind of follow you in places uh, or check out the products you're working on uh where can they go
3: yeah you can follow me on instagram at mandy fab and also uh please check out our our podcast Mand cave that i do with uh mandy kathleen Clavens. it's a fun podcast mm-hmm. on true story fm
0: yeah it's a lot of fun i've really been enjoying that oh good Pete, what about yourself uh,
2: I'm actually at True Story FM. Uh, I'm all <laughs> over that. My, my fingerprints are all over everything over there.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, True Story FM, yeah, and that's the, uh, uh that and the next reel is kind of where uh, I've talked a lot about the Marvel Movie Minute podcast. Yep. You can find that. You can find the Saturday morning matinee, which I've mentioned a couple times. A lot of great podcasts and all sorts of great content. Thank you. Uh, and Andy, what about yourself?
1: Yeah, uh, same thing with Pete. Uh, we're at True Story FM um, We. Uh, co-host the next real film podcast there Uh, you and I are doing the Marvel movie minute Um, you know and you know people can go figure out which Andy Nelson I am over on IMDB and then they can hit me up on Instagram or something if the if you want to get any uh, you know down and dirty details about what sort of (laughs) negotiations we had to do uh, crew wise (laughs) on any of those particular projects and Andy's awesome. phone number is 5 5, 123 555 5, 5, 5,
2: 1212
0: Awesome. Well, thank you all so much. And to our fans, as always, You know, I want to put these podcasts out to start a conversation. Let me know what you think. You can find me on Facebook or on Twitter at TheEthicalPanda.com. You can, of course, go to the website, TheEthicalPanda.com. And, of course, you can find more content like this uh, at all of my other podcasts, including the Star Wars Universe podcast. And all of these podcasts are part of another great uh, network called the Stranded Panda Podcast Network. There you can find great content on Marvel, on... Uh, we're doing James Bond now. Uh, the I've started to release content uh, on uh, the, the HBO show uh, True Blood. Uh, that is an 18 and over podcast, so for uh, younger listeners, you didn't hear anything. Uh, but there's so much great content on there. Check that out. Check out thenextreel.com. Check out all the links that we've talked about. And most importantly, have a great day.
1: Oh, I just want to say, until next time, True Believers, when I hear... Oh. <laughs>